Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Welcome back to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. My name is Dr. Lulu, a.k.a. the Momatrician, coming at y'all this beautiful Texas afternoon with a brand new guest on our brand new YouTube channel with the same name, Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, and we're calling this series The Doctor Chronicles, where I'm talking to doctors like me. Most of them are going to be more malicious, but you know, we'll get a dollop of vanilla here and there, because we can. We're going to be talking about how the COVID-19 has really, truly affected those of us that are supposed to be the care providers and the healthcare workers. How has it really affected us? And so today I have with me Dr. Ifani Olele. We just realized that we kind of sort of are brothers and sisters, because we're, first of all, we're both Nigerians. We're from the eastern part of Nigeria, but also my ex-husband is from Delta State, and so is he, and his wife is from Anniversary, which is mine. So I was like, what's going on here? So welcome, my brother. In my podcast, I call males unicorns, but I call black males unicorns unicorns, because I never get any black males that want to talk to me about the real stuff. So this is a double whammy because he's also a doctor and he's a psychiatrist. So you know what? If you think you've got any kind of issues, this is the man you want to talk to. And then he's got his wife, who I think is also in the healthcare arena, and they've got a YouTube channel. I'm like, uh, I'm never going to confess if they have anything to do with me starting my own YouTube channel. You would just never know. But enough about me. So Dr. Olele, buenas tardes. How are you, sir? What's going on? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. You know, I'm a very, it's very um, a great opportunity to just talk, you know, and about life, what's going on. And that's what we need right now. This communication, everybody just reaching out to each other. Honestly, if there's ever been a time when we needed to reach out to each other, it is now. And I always say that imagine what life was like in 1918 during the Spanish flu when they didn't have any of this. And just yesterday, Facebook came up with something called Facebook rooms where you can just go and just hang out with your friends. So technology, thank you so much, but you know, it's a double-edged sword when it comes to technology because you know, we have cyber bullying and other things that go on, on the, on the flip side of it when we're going to get to that hopefully today. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about you? Essentially the three things we're going to do today is how has the COVID-19 affected you personally as an individual 
How has it affected your family? And then of course your work. And then if we have more time, we can talk about mental illness and suicide. But I almost want to say that because it's Doctor's Chronicles, I want to save that for the next time you come on board, hint, hint, so you can talk to us about mm -hmm. straight suicide. But today we just talk about you, yourself, and you, all three of y'all. So shoot. Yeah, so um, my name is Dr. Fine. I'm from Nigeria, but also I grew up in Southern California, Los Angeles. So calm. Yep. I received my bachelor, uh, my BS in psychobiology from UCLA. Um, then I attended Hampton University where I received a um, master's in medical science. And that's about the same time I met my wife. She was getting um, her pharmacy degree at, she was in pharmacy school at the time at Hampton University. Then I uh, grad, and I went to earn my um, Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine, my DO degree at the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. And during that same time, I got an MBA from St. Joseph's University. Then in my, um, my training, I went to Larkin Community Hospital where I was the chief um, psychiatry resident. And now ever since um, I'm board certified now and practicing, I enjoy psychiatry. This is my life's calling, being involved in mental health. And I'm like very excited to talk about mental health and wellness. Those are very important aspects. I love talking about it, especially now during this COVID-19 time period. I think it's very important for um, us practitioners and the community to talk about it because yes, there's the infection part and the social distancing or physical, I like, I, like a lot of people like using the term also physical distancing um, part of it. But then there's also the part that affects the mental health and our wellness. So. I am so proud of you. I, so, you, were, you, were, you were going through the, down the list. I'm like, this is the Miss Leonard guy that I know. What is that? Five different universities and uh, six universities, just one person. Congratulations. I know your parents are very proud. Nigerians, you know, we know they carry last. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I'm going to start by saying you are very right in the sense that, first of all, there's always been this stigma. Anything mental is like, oh, you know, stigma. But now this, the universe kind of tossed this curveball on us like okay you guys are gonna have to deal with this for the next couple of years because I know it's not gonna go away anytime soon and then all of a sudden the flashlights and all the lights are now like boom on mental illness and mental wellness and mental everything and now we're like reaching out for you know connections like we're talking about like just being real with our connections because ultimately that's what matters like you have a big old house by the ocean you can't leave it. Mm -hmm. You have a fancy car, fleet of cars. You can't drive it. You have a helicopter. You can't fly it. You have to stay home with those you claim to love the most and learn to know each other. So I think this is actually years to come. We'll thank COVID-19. I know it's hard to see it now because people are dying, but years to come, we will thank COVID-19 for the at least the kids will thank COVID-19, the pets will thank COVID-19, because now their parents and their owners are home, and hopefully they're getting more one-on-one. -on -one. So how has it been for you, on a personal note, how has this whole experience been for you, with all your love for psychiatry? Well, um, one, 
it, it took everybody by surprise this um, pandemic. So that's one thing where we all got hit hard at the same time. However, with the, the social distancing and physical distancing, I'm a, natural, I'm a natural introvert. I love being around people, but then I gain my energy a lot during my downtime. So that part of aspect didn't affect me because I could be at home with my family watching Netflix or Amazon Prime or reading or exercising, whatnot. So that aspect um, didn't affect me with that because I still able to connect people's and but I gain a lot of my energy during like downtime, isolation. That's where I get boosts up. I've got a lot of energy now during this time period. However, um, being a part of my profession though, like it does, because we were built on that connection, meeting with people, getting to know people. That's where it's been sad, but luckily you said it like earlier, I'd rather us being this during this pandemic during 2020 than like 1980 or 1985 or any time period because we didn't have the, the technology equipping us to, to still run our businesses, meet people online like this, our meeting right now, or time to have um, entertain ourselves. Imagine this, this during like 1985 or 1990. We'll all be, you would go into Blockbuster so many times just to watch the same movies, whatnot, or all the movies running out. You know, we don't have, there's only, there was only a limited amount of cable networks. So it's just, and everything was not on demand. So, exactly. it, so, so everybody would have, may have been struggling during that time, time period. So it's, um, during 2020, we're at least equipped um, technology wise to handle um, all the restrictions. And I think it's it's also easy for us as humans because you know we're creatures creatures of what do they say creatures of whatever we we don't Habit. like change we're creatures of habit we don't like change we don't like anything new oh my goodness what's gonna happen and so we are not even looking back to saying thank God we don't have those days when we had the long telephone where there was one phone in the house, you have to take it mm -hmm. and pull it all the way to the bathroom to go and talk to your whoever, and that's it. And when the phone rings, everybody knows that there's a phone call, and then we have VHS, you have to go put your slide it into the... I mean, now you can watch a movie on your phone, on your watch, if you want to. It's like, yeah. we really have to thank God that this did not happen any other time. However, as humans, because we're naturally, or we should be adaptable. Mm -hmm. If this had happened in the 1918s, when it, when it did happen, when the Spanish flu happened, people still survived. But like what mm -hmm. they're saying now is it's not the physically strong or even the mentally strong that will survive. It's those most likely to adapt because this is unknown to anyone. Like no one has ever, at least in living memory, has been through this before. People that were born in 1918, I don't know how, they, how old they are now, or majority of them are dead. So we're like the only people that have ever been through this. So we have to find ways to, maybe the first couple of weeks, oh my God, what happened? But after the first month, you shouldn't really still be saying, you know, oh, what am I gonna do? We have to learn to adapt. And if you don't adapt and innovate and pivot, they're gonna leave you behind. They're gonna leave you behind. So talking about adapting, how has that affected your family? And I love what you said about being an introvert. My wife is an introvert and, and she, like, she gets energy when she sleeps. I'm like, what, well, how? But I wake up like this. <laughs> so it's like, okay, we're just definitely opposites of each other. But how has that affected your family, the, 
the COVID-19, the quarantine, physical distancing, social distancing? How has that affected your family? Well, we're all have to be at home, so we're not used to that, where everybody's in each other's space. But most, effective, most importantly is the, the kids being out of school. So that's why I personally thank all the teachers around the world, because I've always had a high respect for teachers, but it's went to the next level, and I feel teachers to get all pay raises because the, what the work they do with the, our kids is phenomenal. And for, for us, like as parents juggling our regular work and then trying to teach the kids or help them watch their like, like Zoom recordings or maintain their class assignments, it could be a lot. And so initially when this started, I was like, how am I gonna be balancing seeing my patients? Cause that was easy for me. <laughs> like it was more, but more balancing the school, the schoolwork with the, and the homework. Because with our kids, I was like, you come around, you help them with their homework, but actually trying to make sure that they follow their lesson plans for the, for the school, the rest of the remainder of the school year, following those, be consistent with that. And for me personally, I have um, kids that are in um, preschool and first grade. So I have to deal with, um, my kids cannot self, um, independently go on and do the logging and because they're younger. If they're like teenagers, they could handle it themselves and print out what they need to print out, follow the syllabus, what's going on. But me, I have to be extra hands-on with that. So um, I know I'm not in the minority with that. I know a lot of um, parents who have I spoken to are struggling with that too, or have struggled with that. Like you said, you have to adapt. So it took time. It, there was a learning curve with that, but we got a rhythm, and um, but mostly it's with the kids trying to, their boredom as well, doing, um, being on the screen all the time, and also um, being bored. So you have to find fun ways to keep them motivated and entertained. I, I have to say you're probably the, the, the third person I've interviewed this way, but also the third person who has said the same thing. It was a little bit challenging at the beginning, and then you quickly had to regroup and just figure out, okay, what do we have to do? Who has to do what so that this will work? I, on the other hand, I haven't had to deal with that because two of my boys are in college. I mean, it's a different kind of dealing. Two of them are in college. One is at Stanford, supposed to be graduating in a month. Now we're not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to go and wear my gaily and you know, show out as the mother of the day. And then the other one is a sophomore at Texas Tech. I mean, but I had to, I didn't, have to follow them too much on their work because they have already like known what to do. But my baby is in high school and why he's extremely independent and I miss being mm -hmm. the, the mom. But I still had to say, did you do your homework? Yes, mom. I'm, okay, are you sure? Yes, mom. And you know, things like that. So I've had to also still put my eye in there. But I have to thank the universe for the fact that I'm in a different place as a parent. I don't have small children, but I don't know what I would have done. I had someone say their nanny, one of the doctors said her nanny moved in with them for the quarantine because she just didn't know what to do because, you know, like you, she has smaller kids and full-time work, dad has full-time work and the nanny moved in. Well, what if you don't have a nanny? I mean, that's reality. What if you don't have a nanny? So, wow, that's interesting. But how have your kids benefited? I mean, yes, they had to... I mean, there's got to be some benefits. And I wouldn't call it boredom. Do kids ever get bored? Is that such a thing? Like, do kids ever get bored? I've ever... <laughs> so with my, my small kids, um, at first, 
at first with that, I was trying to get used to like how to put them schedules. So sometimes like, okay, here, here's the um, watch here, watch Disney plus or something because I got that because I knew immediately during the time there'd be some down periods. But then when I noticed that they're more going towards the laptop and the entertainment, I had to cut back on that and like, we got to get back to school. So here's your school times. And then you have to earn those TV times or whatnot. And then we got, so that's what we're putting in our household. You have to earn that. And we're trying to limit the amount of time because right now they could have too much TV time if you're not, you're not careful. And I've, and I've interacted with a lot of adolescents as well who, um, after doing homework, they're just playing video games or watching TV. So, like, we got to be very careful with the, um, this um, era with our children because this is unprecedented times. And now that they have more screen time, more TV time. So in our household, we're trying to limit that, make sure that they're doing more physical activities. Like, for example, my, my daughter um, wakes up and exercises with my wife and I. So she does that with our um, trainer. So she works out with us. So just having her physical activity and with our son and her, we want them to continue playing with their toys, stimulate their imagination and creativity and on top of their schoolwork. But when they, but we do have to keep in mind of them doing the same things over and over again that they can get um, bored. So we try to give them a little downtime, like, okay, here's a, a short window. You could watch your show, but you can't be, um, watching it too much because yeah and, and also with with the youtube and all the craziness that goes on online period the dark web and all of this yes. craziness like what is that but those are real things those are real things that happen to real children so you're right i cannot overemphasize that and i have adolescents or at least young adults so this is the struggle for me. Two nights ago, I was like, what are you guys doing at 4 a.m. in the morning? Okay, mom, yeah. we're going to bed right now. I'm like, what do you mean you're still up? And so last night I was like, listen, we're going to do it this way. And then you're going to go to bed. And I put the oldest, I said, okay, you are in charge. Make sure they go to bed at one o'clock. That's it. That's it. You know, but I also, you know, in some parenting groups that I'm in, I've asked the moms and they're like, you know what? It's just so rough. They can't go to the park. They can't go for, they can't do anything. So it's like, we're just letting them do the video game. So then a mom says to me about buying the blue glasses. And she actually gave me the, the link to somewhere you can buy blue glasses to help with the blue lights coming out of, just coming at you. And of course the neck being bent all the time. I mean, it's, it's potentially, there's going to be a lot of complications from that aspect down the line. If, if, if the world doesn't come to an end, as the world as we know it doesn't come to an end. Wow. So what about work? How has it affected you at work as far as your patient flow and adaptation, probably maybe telemedicine? How has that affected you with all of this? Oh, yeah. um, with my, uh, my own um, practice, um, I work, I, can, I have the option of doing telehealth. And I've been doing telehealth for over a year. So mm. it wasn't a big transition for me. I had a hybrid practice and, and also a medical director at other, two other clinics. But with um, my own practice, um, I had a hybrid practice before the COVID-19 pandemic. But after that, I just wanted to make it everything virtual. So it was an easy transition for um, my patients in my practice to have that um, tele-health um, services. So what I do miss is that interaction of when the 
patients come in, you know, you exchange pleasantries, talk with them, that human inter interaction. But um, we're here in during this time, so the virtual um, appointments are useful. And I feel that the patients feel that it's very useful because of the fact that they could still see me, they could still make their regular appointments, I give them their time. Um, so not, nothing, we haven't missed a beat or anything, it's just more they can't come in physically uh, to, the, um, to see me. Ironically, I work with suicidal teenagers in my practice and we, I, I, was, I wasn't even like, I didn't want to hear anything. It was like straight to telemedicine and it's been amazing. I, I know some people have struggled with it. I haven't. What I've discovered is my patients, you know, because they're troubled teens anyway, it's actually working out better for us. They're able to show me their books that they're reading, their rooms. One of them showed me, took the phone to her garden to show me the roses that she planted. Another one showed me her, her little, they had like four kittens that were like in little boxes and she showed me the name. One is Buttercup, one is blood, whatever. I mean, it was just now being able to see inside of their lives and what, and then one of them who has difficulty falling asleep at night, I was like, wait, are those string lights in your bedroom, she's like, oh yeah, they stay on all the time. I was like, uh, did you say you have a hard time sleeping? Right there, we were able yeah. to take care of that. I would have never known that if I was still not able to take a peek into their life. So it has been for me very, very, very rewarding. I, I, yesterday, this, this patient of mine specifically took the phone so I could meet her brother, the one she's been telling me about. Well, now you get to me. I was like, oh my God, he just came back from wherever he went and I was able to meet him and just interact with them. It's as good, the next best thing is to do a home visit, which you need stuff like that for psych issues anyway, because you can do all you wanna do at work. If they get to the house and it's anarchy, work oh, done is zero, gosh. so. Yes, and I, you know, I'm very glad you touched on that about environment, because for me, um, the way when I, I'm, I'm all about mental health and wellness, and um, I also, introduce a concept of the eight dimensions of wellness to my patients and when you were talking about the, their housing situation one of the eight dimensions is environmental wellness and you brought up a great point where when you have the opportunity to look and to see their environment how it's like and you mentioned something about their sleep being interrupted with lights like that that's very key and important and especially during this COVID-19 um, pandemic is how is our environment where we're restricted in quarantine our quarters so it's very important to have a calming environment. And that gives us, like for me in general, when I do interact with patients, that's one of the questions I do ask about how's their environment, like their community, their neighborhood, their home, or even their work environment. That gives us a good picture to see if they live in a home with so many people. No wonder they're irritable all the time because they don't have time for their personal self or they're not sleeping well because their bed it might be old or it might be lumpy or they have a lot of lights coming in. So like it's good to to know um, where your patients are coming from. So I love the fact that you were saying that um, you were very observant about their surroundings. Yes, I appreciate that. I thank you for saying that. I really, really appreciate that. The other thing I was gonna mention to you since we're talking about eight dimensions of wellness is what are the eight? I didn't know that. <laughs> Can you, do you have a minute to tell us what they are? Sure, definitely. So there's eight dimensions of wellness. It's a, a concept about how people could optimize their overall well-being. 
And so um, there are some internal factors and external factors. So I'll break it down. I'll make it easy to um, break it down. So the, the internal part of the eight dimensions, there's physical wellness, which encompasses your sleep, your um, nutrition, your physical activity. So that, that's key. Then you have emotional wellness, like in regards to your connecting, I mean, your, do you have satisfying uh, relationships? How are you able to handle your emotions? Then um, we have spiritual wellness, your, which relates to your purpose and your higher meaning in life. And many people will volunteer, pray, meditate, yoga, things to help them channel themselves. Intellectual wellness um, during this time period, I think is very important because due to some people having lack of activity with intellectual wellness, what it is is challenging yourself with finding new life things mm. that stimulate your life, such as learning new language, building up new um, skills. So a lot of people, I'm very impressed. A lot of people are now using this time to like either um, go back and double down on their business, making their business better or picking up new skills, um, taking courses. So that's with intellectual wellness. Then on the flip side, um, external factors, you have social wellness. It's like you're connecting this with people. Are you joining organ organizations and being involved? Then you have um, environmental wellness, which we were talking about earlier, how your, envi your environment, your space um, affects you. Um, and it doesn't have to be just be nature, but it could also be your home environment. So that's very important. Then financial wellness, which I feel the whole world is affected by this right now, where um, it deals with like budgeting, saving, managing, or finding multiple streams of income, or when or lack of income, how that affects you. So that does affect your um, wellness. So there's financial wellness. And then the last one, I think, is very important is occupational wellness. And this is how do you find your line of work satisfying? And um, where like for me, it's very important that with the mental health, I try to make it my own thing where and that's why I focus on mental health and wellness. And when I approach my patients, I come from that standpoint and see where they are in life. And I try to talk, talk to them about that, especially with occupation. A lot of us, we spend a majority of our time at work than with our families. Remember, a lot of people say, I work my nine to five. And so they're work during that time period. And then they're usually taking traffic to get home. So a lot of people get home around six, seven, and they're with their families for a short period of time. And then everybody's going to bed and they start the whole cycle again and go back to that nine to five or whatever hours. Um, within us in the health profession, we have longer hours at times. So that's where, um, Occupational wellness is very um, key to focus on as well. Wow, that was awesomeness to come because I've never, I, don't, I went to med school, but I don't think I've ever heard the concept. If I have, I haven't accepted it to kind of let it settle in, but that is, I would, that definitely touches. Is this your personal thing or is this something that you learned in school? Because I can't remember, but that touches on every single thing, physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual. And, and I'm happy you said something about intellectual because I've taken, I've signed up for more online courses in the past six weeks than I have in my whole 51 years of life. Just mm -hmm. trying to pivot and trying to stay relevant and trying to write my third book. And I became a coach in book writing and just 
speaking. And I'm like, wait, what? But you got to stay doing stuff, you know? And then, of course, external, social. This is so good. I'm going to be, I'm stealing it. I'm just going to tell you right now. Oh, it's not my original, but I go here. Like, like, I, I, like I, 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 I like it. I heard it from you. So every time I think about it now, I'm always going to think about you, you know, which is great. Yeah. But that is amazing. If nothing else, we learned those eight things today. And for me, that is golden because, because of the clients that I deal with, I'm going to start. Are you kidding me? Next week, all my patients are going to know the eight factors. I tell my patients to Google it because it's on um, SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse Mental Health Service Administration. They um, promoted this topic concept of um, the eight dimensions. And once I, once I got introduced to it, I was like, wow. And I started, when I start, I started thinking about it from a psychiatric point of view and the patients that I see. And I was like, and the thing, it just clicked. And I was like, exactly. and then now you think about it, you apply that to medicine, the patients that we receive, and you just look at all these factors, you see why people are either struggling or not well, you know, because let's say, say for example, um, if you apply different parts of this eight dimensions, so your environment, Let's say you're living in a low-income community. You don't have resources to like a Whole Foods or a Trader Joe's, something where you have these nice or nice um, or bodegas where nice fresh food or like you don't have those access to that. That's gonna be a problem. Or like let and say in your housing situation is bad, and so you're gonna be struggling there. Poverty with the finances, so that could also affect maybe your physical health. You're not access to good um, physicians or lack of access to transportation so that's an issue your occupation the type of occupation you have um it could affect your finances so the level of money you're making so a lot of these different parts of the wellness um affect each other and so it's very important and more importantly if people don't have like a lack of access to resources it could affect their physical health and so where how are you going to, if you're low, live in a very violent neighborhood or whatnot, how are you able to go running or, you know, running or exercising mm. or it's not safe? So these are factors that I do look overall in, um, in patients. And in the, also on the flip side, let's say people are, let's say, and um, highly successful and highly rich people are not immune. I mean, they also have struggles with this because maybe too much money now they're too stressed they have a, a job that's high demanding where they're like man Most i can't it will, will be broken I, I can i i i want to hug you and i can't but i'm just gonna but the thing about it because this is like light bulb freaking moments for me like just now i'm gonna go on facebook this weekend and i'm gonna talk about it and from from now on i'm gonna talk about it and i'm always gonna remember you because you know, in Nigeria, they say, whenever you wake up is your morning. So for me, this is my morning with this. I said, this is the month of May and I called it the month of mental wellness. So what do you think is going to be my next newsletter? This, mm -hmm. because it's like, oh my God, like, look at this. At my third book, even though it's about bullying, I'm going to sneak this in. I'm going to find a way to sneak it in because it's about, this is so like, puts every single thing in perspective. And yes, you're not safe. You can have all the money and maybe you have the physical, you have a trainer, you have the physical, you have, do you have the intellectual? Are you reading? Are you taking a break? Are you going out? Are you, like something is missing. I, I'm just so happy. I, I, and that. I use that as a broader, especially during this COVID-19 period. I think honestly, that's what has helped me, kept me sane.
because I, I look at all of those different factors and I pay attention to, this is a good about self-care. And so when you're able to pay attention to all this, it's like you're a barometer, just you're, you're taking a temperature to see where you're hot and cold in a different one. If you're able to look and apply this concept to all aspects of your life, you're gonna see a lot. It's gonna take work. It's not something where you, you hear it. It's okay, yeah. But if you're um, really paying attention to it, and I talk, and I've had patients who I've shared this concept with me report back to me like, Doc, I've shared this with some of my friends or a, a, a group I'm in. They loved it. We're gonna implement it. And another, another person will say, Yeah, I'm using it. It's helped me um, improve myself. Balance. It's balance. It's all about balance. And so a lot of people, we, we all look at, you know, that's why I like telling, sharing this with young people because young people feel that um, when they see their peers and their friends and they're like, man, they're doing well, they're doing this. I'm a loser. I'm not doing, but they always sometimes looking at one aspect of that person's life. Like let's say the kid that you're looking at has, oh, they're from a wealthy family. They're doing well. But inside their the household, maybe they may, they may have parents or people that are not even talking to each other versus yeah, the kids. They are they're addicted to drugs, and then tomorrow they exactly. they're the ones that kill themselves or not. I mean, it's like, oh my God, what happened? But they live in the big house by the ocean. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. what's going on inside the house? And so this is amazing. And you know what? Every Saturday, every other Saturday, I have a team to team support group. So tomorrow I have another one. You can bet your bottom dollar that I'm going to be talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an advocate of this, um, of this eight dimensions of wellness, and that's why I'm I ain't calling it eight dimensions of self-care. But you know what? You call it what you like, but it's the same yeah. thing. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, you know, because it's only eight, it's not like it's 12 or 15. Mm -hmm. like, what was the other one? And I like the way you put it internal, external. So that breaks it down to bite-sized pieces. Mm -hmm. And that is just so cool. That's eight weeks of class right there for me. This is eight weeks of class. And because I do give talks on suicide prevention, this is it right here. Even though most people, and you know, that brings us a nice segue into the suicide prevention part. We might as well go there. So what are your thoughts about the physicians? Again, I want to keep this as close to Dr. Chronicles as possible. What do you think, what are your thoughts, what are your, what are your thoughts in the recent physician suicides that we've heard? Of course, we all know physicians have the highest rate of suicides, period. And when you throw in residents and throw in medical students, we have the highest for sure. But what about the most recent ones? Do you have anything to say at all if, if you don't have to with regards to the physicians that have killed themselves in during the COVID-19? Of course, going back to your top eight now, I'm realizing that, or rather your eight now, something was missing in those eight, you know, but what are, yeah. your, what are your thoughts about it since you're a doctor? Yeah, I mean, when that happened, I, every time you hear about a, um, a physician or healthcare worker um, dying by suicide, that hits close to home because you're like, wow. And then you start thinking about what about that support system, what was going on? And um, that's one of the things I think about. And you're, it, it hurts, you know, because I feel like the, our healthcare community, our physician community, we're like, it's like this brotherhood, sister, this family where you all went through the trenches of medical school, residency. So you understand, like, regardless of specialty, you kind of have this connection, like you paid a price, you know, and that sacrifice. And so when you see your brother, your sister, and, uh, you know, like die like that, it touches you. And um, yeah, and it, despite my training as a psychiatrist where, I am 
trained to handle this and take myself out of the situation. But from human to human, at the end of the day, we're human beings and it, it hurts, but you wanna be in a place where we could prevent it and educating. And that's why I'm glad we're having this conversation because we get to talk about it. And I think that's one of the things that um, is not happening in our healthcare worker or physician community. We're not talking about it because we're supposed to be built tough. That's one of the things that um, we always, when we're training is like, you have to be tough, be precise, be good decision makers. And we have no room for error. And we're like robots and we are superheroes to our patients mm -hmm. and other staff, but then it takes a toll on somebody when you, when you're doing all of this and you, then you come back home and you don't want to talk to anybody in your family. You just want to be to yourself because of all the stuff that was taking place either in the ER, the office, the hospital floors. And it just could be a lot for mm -hmm. healthcare workers. It and is I, a lot. I know it was, it was yeah. tough. Very tough. It is a lot. It's a whole lot. So what do you, what, I mean, any, besides the top, the, uh, I keep saying top eight, besides the eight, which are just obvious now, what, you know, do you have any, maybe two or three things you could say to a brother or a sister physician right now who is thinking about, you know, ending it out this weekend because okay. they've just had it. And this is what I always do. Um, and this is when I do hear people, like I always say, your life is beautiful. That's the first thing I want say and you no matter how a person says oh it's not rosy right now i'm stressed i have loans um my i have poor physician ratings or whatnot whatever the negatives are um i want everybody to know your life is beautiful um this is just a season you're going through and there's um potential resources if to help you out and you're not alone and so i think that's one of the things is a lot of times our our physician brothers sisters feel that they're alone or any healthcare worker feels that they're alone in a situation is only them, but just us that are not going through it, but able to be in there, listen and saying, the, the, just the phrase saying, I got your back or I'm here for you. I think that goes a long way. So that's one. And then two, um, clinics, facilities, organizations, make it available for your um, healthcare workers to know that you, um, you got their back and not just saying, oh yeah, we got your back. You got a promotion, we're paying you but more like, okay, here's some time, maybe group therapy for time to, to vent. Or I think that's where to be, to feel heard. Or I know a lot of hospitals have great doctor's lounges where the doctors can have a TV, quiet time, just TV, snacks, that's continue that. Just for the environment of the doctor just to, to de decompress and more so offer services saying that, you know, you can you can go 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 see a therapist go see a psychiatrist it's okay because you are a human being and the type of work you're doing it could take a toll on you because like i said earlier we are trained we are, are able to handle and you you take all that keep seeing these things over and over again and it could affect you just like other people in different industries as well so yeah i mean just the, that's I mean, what i would say if anybody's talking about the the phrase Hashtag doctors lives matter. I mean, okay, I keep going doctors, healthcare workers lives matter. I mean, about, now we're seeing how our lives matter. And there was something that went viral on my page, the, the picture of a bunch of physicians, I mean, I don't know, doctors, whoever, they were sleeping. There was the picture that said, this year, I don't want to see any Hollywood um, um, Oscars going to actors. I don't want to see any, you know, 
going to, I wanted to go to healthcare workers because now we're seeing that we really do matter. And I just wish we ourselves will see ourselves as needed to live. Because I know the day when I quit my job as a pediatrician, I came home buzzed. I was like, I didn't want to talk to anybody because my seven-year-old patient had just tried to hang himself. I was like, no, you know, I, I didn't want to talk. I needed a mental health day. But the next day I had to go back to work. And the next day, and the next day. I didn't even have time to unpack what had just happened to my patient. And when my patient did indeed kill himself way, way, way back when I owned my own practice, I was in solo practice. I didn't have time to take off to deal with the fact that he just killed himself. And then my friend, a colleague, a resident, she killed herself. I went into labor with my son. That's how I was not able to go to work because I went into labor. I would have had to go back to work the next day. We just are not allowed to take a break. And so hopefully this six weeks or have a number of weeks of quarantine, some of us have been able to maybe just watch Netflix if you want to watch Netflix. Watch 90 Day Fiancé, which I think is the most ridiculous show ever. But there are Nigerians in there, so I watch it. <laughs> you know, just watch TV. If you, you just do what you got to do to just to survive, you know? Wow. Yeah. It's been awesome. I can't believe it's almost one hour and we've been, we've been talking nonstop. Oh, wow. yeah. I do want to ask you a couple more questions because I happen to be a mother of three black boys. And in my neighborhood here in Texas, a few weeks ago, my two sons went running and we've lived here for eight years, nearly 10 years. And don't you know, they were escorted back, not back, but they were followed by a police car. There's only one police guy that lives in this neighborhood. I can't think of anybody else, but my son used to play with his son. Was it the police guy? We don't know. They didn't stop to ask because it's like, they were too happy to come home and I was too happy to see them home. If I get upset, they're gonna say, oh, angry black woman. But you see, you see how this can drive somebody bonkers. One of my sons, he doesn't wanna go running anymore and I don't blame him, but he should not have to fear to go running. What do you have to say about that as a psychiatrist and as a black male, because you are an endangered species. Yeah, at the end of the day, I'm a black man first, regardless until I open my mouth. Exactly. And say I'm a psychiatrist. But what I have to say is it's tough because you would, as a person, you would think in 2020 that, um, that we wouldn't have to experience it because we have media. The world is very small now because through inner social media, technology, you can't say, oh, I don't know what's, um, I don't know how, what, what's going on in another world because you can watch the news, pick up your, so it's just like exposure, like, why is it still happening? But it's painful, but we, um, as always, like they always tell us, we always gotta be excellent and make sure, and, but times, people are talking, I'm tired of being excellent because we're still gonna get hurt. And so that's why I feel it's definitely, um, what I always say is, continue exposure. We, and I think that's one of the best things by people that are scared of not knowing other people is exposure being uh, introduced to other cultures, learning about that because the more exposure you have to, the more your um, prejudices and discrimination towards other groups um, lessen. Then two, 
if you see something, say something. So I feel like it's important that people that are, um, like for example, with black, black males being um, in, in these um, targeted incidents, if other, other races or other cultures see this, they talk about this and also verbalize it being wrong because I think it's important when something is not happening to your group, it's not cool to be silent or not, but just also blend an ear, hear what's going on. And if you see something, verbalize it as well. Because I think that's very powerful where if it's not just only the black community talking about these issues, but also other communities saying this is wrong because then when we start supporting each other's communities, I think problems like this don't cease. And then with the police officers, one thing I wanted to say is that they're, um, the police officers that, that do do this, I think is good for their, um, their communities to also police them because they're also phenomenal cops are in this community that you know do everything for the community they know people so i think that's one thing too is police officers that um to be integrated community um motivate the kids in the community so they can look up to them be partners in the community so where can the community trusts the police officer's judgment because in um, my community where i'm at there's respect for the police officers because um the police officers are at our church they um I'm, they're at a church services um watching the flow of it so people see the police officer they say hello because they know that police officer is part of the community and they know that the police officer has their best interest and if we're if we're doing if we did a crime we're like oh yeah you did a crime and so but at least you could go to the courthouse and defend yourself of being alive instead of being shot but i think that's important for um police integration in the communities which they are doing but i'm just saying that um, the, the group that are not, um, that are causing all this drama with that. I think the police that are doing the wrong should also police their, um, their colleagues that are doing, um, the, these incidents. Yes, absolutely. Wow. I, I can't believe we're up with, with this time. It's time. <laughs> I can't even believe it, but this has been amazing thank you so much for coming and for being so gracious with the time snafu we had i, I wasn't sure what, what time was it but not time and then of course the drama <laughs> before i got here but it's you have been an amazing guest thank you so much i i can't thank you enough and thank you for being my brother and i have three sons so of course i always want i want them to meet men like them that have gone before them and are fighting the good fight and are, and are thriving you know, in a very hostile environment. So thank you so much for the work that you do for your own, for your own work also with, your, with your, your wife on YouTube. So can you tell the listeners and the viewers in this case where they can find you, the, maybe the name of your YouTube channel and, and wherever else, maybe the name of your practice maybe? Oh, definitely. So um, for social media, our social media for our practice is at GPS Mindset. Um, you can find us at, at GPS Mindset on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Um, our YouTube channel is where we have our um, mental health and wellness videos. Then um, my practice is Genesis Psychiatric Solutions. I'm in the, I have an office in McLean, Virginia, and Washington, DC. So I'm here in the, what we call the DMV to your listeners, the D.C., um, Maryland, and Virginia area. I went so, to Howard, you know. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, I went to Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. So, yeah, definitely. They, you know. HBCUs are in the Howard, you know? We, yeah. We, we, yeah. We, we, we very, very, very powerful experiences there and very yeah. great people. Yeah. HBCU. Oh, wait, did, you say, did you say Genesis Psychiatric Solutions? Yes. Okay. Wow, it has been awesome. I guess they can find there's a website also is genesisstrategiesolutions.com. Yeah, our website is uh, www.gpsmindset.com. Oh. Ironically, I saw that on your your YouTube channel. I said, like, "What's GPS?" I didn't know it was Genesis like, Genesis Psychiatric Solutions. So that's cool. Okay, very very nice. Well, do you have any parting words? Generally with my podcast, I like to have, if you have like a favorite book you're reading or a favorite podcast, wink, wink, that you listen to, or, you know, or just something like words of wisdom before you leave. I mean, this has been packed with words of wisdom. So I think we're good on that. But do you have any favorite book you're reading or favorite something? Yeah, the book I'm reading right now is um, T.D. Jake's Destiny on destiny i think that's a very powerful book um for anybody to read because it, it focuses on you so that's part of my intellectual wellness where i'm trying to um, improve upon myself and um definitely i want to um give a shout out to all the healthcare workers right now the frontline workers you know we love we all love each other and we're going to get through this and um yes we have, we're doing what we can and um if you have a healthcare worker that's a family member, tell them you love them, text them, tell them you got their back. I think that that will go a long way. That'll give somebody a, a boost of energy. So yeah, that's the um, words of wisdom. And then um, yeah, that's about it. And I, I really appreciate it. Um, yes, sir. Um, wow, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Lulu, AKA the Momatrician. Thank you all so much for listening, for watching, for interacting. I really appreciate Dr. Lele. It's been amazing, just an amazing brother, keeping it real and of course doing things bigly. I can't believe I just said that, but it's true. So I appreciate you for coming. Thank you so much. This is Dr. Lulu, AKA the Momatrician, signing out. Y'all, make sure you wash your hands. Make sure you wear a mask if you're going out. This is real. You can get sick and you can die. And on that note, I'm going to say peace out, so long, farewell.